exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. we are discussing safe sleep. It's a little bit more serious of a topic that we usually cover here at Twiniversity, and I want you to just know that going in, and um, don't be alarmed, don't be afraid, but just listen with an open mind and open ears, and I promise you it's something that we should all really know everything about. So let's meet our good friend, Allison. University podcast. Today I have a wonderful guest. Again, we always have wonderful guests, but today I have an especially wonderful guest. And not only is she going to be somebody who is a giant wealth of knowledge, but she's a really, really, really dear friend. And there's it's somebody that not only do I look to for the answers, but that I have the utmost respect for. So today we're we're speaking with Allison Jacobson. She is the CEO of First Candle. And if you are not familiar with First Candle, They are one of the premier SIDS education organizations within the United States, hence why I always go to Allison when I have questions. So without further ado, hello, Allison. Hi, Nat. Boy, we have a mutual admiration society going on. I feel the same about you. We're honestly very lucky. And there's there's, there's a lot of great people in our industry, but there's definitely like a little inner circle that I'd say. And, you know... I don't know if it's yes. if it's good or bad. I think it's good, but I am not afraid to discuss SIDS and I'm not, you know, afraid of discussing especially sleep, uh, safe sleep situations. And I think that's something that we have in common. But, you know, a lot of our peers were like, oh, you know, we shouldn't talk about this during pregnancy. But I feel like it's the elephant in a lot of expectant parents' rooms. Well, it is. And I'll be honest, I was one of them. So I lost my son, Connor, as you know, in 1997. And at that time, and even now, the biggest thing was the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And there was a little tiny chapter on SIDS. And I breathed right through it because I said, not going to happen to me. Why should I look at it? And also, you know, you don't want to think about that. So sometimes we, you know, bury our heads in the sand because we don't want to think about bad things. But the reality is I always liken it to wearing a seatbelt in the car. You know, there are possibilities of car accidents, but knowledge is power. Taking preventative measures helps. And that's what pregnant women need to know. And moms and dads and babies especially. Speaking about, you know, things that moms and dads need to know. Right. Right. Um, I don't know if it's changes or what are like the most important things. Like if you met an expected mom, so first of all, you don't want to scare her and be like, oh my God, here's what could happen. So what are, how are ways that we could convey the importance of making sure that your baby has a safe sleep environment without freaking somebody out? And what are the things that you would tell a new parent personally? Well, here's the reality, and I think we need to separate it into two things. There's SIDS and there's accidental suffocation. And SIDS is one subset of sleep-related infant deaths, Mm -hmm. and accidental suffocation is another. Now, true SIDS 
still can't be prevented. So it's risk reduction measures. But these accidental suffocation situations that can absolutely be prevented. And what we're finding is that a lot of the SIDS could have been accidental suffocation. We just don't know what position the baby was in or where they were in. So when I'm talking to new moms, I'm like, look, here are things you absolutely can do to prevent accidental suffocation. The first most important is make sure that baby is in their own environment, their own sleep environment, be it a crib or a bassinet in your room for the first year with no blankets, no pillows, no fluffy bumpers, no stuffed animals, nothing in there. Now, the big thing we hear is, oh, it looks so sparse. It's yeah. not cozy. That's our own reality. Okay. That's not the baby's reality. The baby's reality is very happy where they are. So that's what we need to keep in mind. And I think that's the biggest. We saw some additional recommendations come out from the American Academy of Pediatrics in 2016. And it started with always putting your baby to back on his or her sleep for every sleep. And that's still true. But now it's also that safe sleep environment, making sure the baby's sleeping alone. Now, I also want to say there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, I co-sleep with my baby because I breastfeed. Hey, we are absolutely a thousand percent for breastfeeding because it reduces the risk of SIDS, okay? But once you're done nursing the baby, put them back in their own bassinet, crib, whatever, in your room. Here we go. Those safe sleep conditions that you would recommend a parent, you know, participate in. That's the wrong way to put it, but what, like, what would you say about safe sleep? Well, so there's a couple things and it's almost, it, it's almost a misnomer to say the safe sleep guidelines because mm -hmm. there's more than just sleep. But the first thing is having that baby in the same room with you, flat mattress, firm mattress. And that means not letting the baby sleep in a stroller, in a car seat or anything else on a flat mattress with a firm fitting sheet. That's tight. And when I say firm mattress, I mean, when you put your hand down, there's no imprint left. That's a really good rule of thumb of what that firm mattress is supposed to be. And then no blankets, no pillows, no stuffed animals. That is the most important thing. And I think, you know, I always say about the blankets and people are really surprised. And in fact, there was a great blogger. She's a friend of mine. Um, last year, she lost her baby to accidental suffocation because she had a quilt her grandmother had quilted in the bed with the baby. And she was devastated. And I give her so much credit for sharing that because I know she educated a lot of people. It really is. It, it's so sad. But when somebody could, you know, take their grief and turn it into an educational experience and be like, OK, this is the last time that this is happening. This is it. So it's, it really is. It's very, very remarkable. And that's one of the reasons why I admire you so much, because I think like, you know, for your bad days, that's that, those were bad days. And it, it, it makes me put things in my own life in perspective. And I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse that I'm like, oh, I can't even imagine like when my kids are sick or whatever. I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I'm so fortunate. And I, you know, thank my lucky stars that I'm so fortunate. I think about that all the time, but it is, it's so important that people understand, you know, the, the safe sleep. Now, I do have a question about this. So you were talking about how babies shouldn't sleep in a stroller. Does like, let's talk about that for a second. Cause sometimes you're just walking around and babies fall asleep. 
Now, are we talking right. about like, you know, a one week right. old falling asleep in a stroller that's on an incline or like, what are we talking about when we talk about how they shouldn't sleep in a stroller? Is there an age range? Well, so the age range is under one year of age. That's what we're really talking about. But even when you talk mm -hmm. to the car seat manufacturers, they will say that it's not a good idea to have the baby asleep for longer than an hour, two hours. They need to stretch too. So we're not talking about, you know, if the baby falls asleep in a minute, wake them up. But what we are saying is that is not the place where a baby should sleep for the entire length of a nap or overnight. It's not safe. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm not one to call out products, but we really have to look at anything. There should be nothing in that crib. You know, you don't need sleep positioners. They, they don't help. Anything that is a wedge or a positioner shouldn't be in there, nor should it be in the bed. Now, listen, one of the things that I kind of credit myself for is I'm a realist, okay? So not only did I have my son, Connor, but I had three kids. We are all exhausted and I am never going to be the type of person who judges another mom because we've all been there when the baby's exhausted and you've fallen asleep. That's life. But what we're saying is if it's not the norm, if it's not the habit, yes, accidents happen, but if you could make it your plan to always have that baby in their own safe sleep environment, Absolutely. that's I mean, what we're talking true, about. I just wanted to stress that because now I, I didn't want parents being like, oh my gosh, the twinnies fell asleep in their stroller. No, it's fine. They could take a little cat nap in their stroller, but ideally they, they should not be in there for any extended length of time. And it is, it really is all about balance. And so if they're going to be in the strollers, you've got to balance it out with tummy time when you come home and make sure, I always call it baby Pilates. Like baby's got to do, which for the record, I have actually never done Pilates. I've just watched people do Pilates on television. And so I'm like, oh, that's baby Pilates. That's what they're doing. Um, so we, there's right. more to that's the story, right. though, you know, with as far as um, not having anything in their bed. And I love when you talk about not, ha you know, no sleep positioners and stuff. And it always it makes my my skin curl. I don't think that's the right term either today. But when people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to sleep my twins in the same bed, in the same crib, and I'm going to buy, they, they sell this like divider. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's a giant pillow that you're putting between them. And the interesting part right. about that is that not only are you putting something unsafe in their bed, but your 20s are always going to try to get towards each other. So you're basically making them creep towards danger. So I'm like, no, get everything out of the bed, exactly. except it's twin. That's what's there. And of course, yes, this is in violation of the American Academy of Pediatrics, but it really goes, it goes by parents' preference. And you have to remember that these are guidelines. But what, when I speak to Allison, to me, those aren't guidelines. To me, these should be laws. Like this is like nothing in the crib. That's that. Boom, the end. And, and you know what, what I love about you too, Nat, is you're all about saving money. Amen, you know, sister, nothing girl. in the crib means less money. Why are you adding Truth. stuff that you but don't it's need? It's, it's like ridiculous. All these companies are like, oh, you need this, and oh, you need this. And I'm like, uh, no. And somebody, we had Twiniversity class last night, and a dad asked, you know, is it really going to be twice as expensive? And I, was, I said, no, it's not going to be twice as expensive. I was like, it's going to be more expensive. But if you had two children at different times, it's not going to be much more expensive than that because the only real things that you need two of 
is a crib, a mattress, and a car seat. And sometimes you could you could even find double strollers that are so inexpensive that they're comparable to single strollers. So besides cost, there are right. other environmental conditions that could create safer sleep environments, right? So I know the temperature, uh, temperatures of the room is one of them. So let's talk about temperature and what is the right temperature for a nursery? So here's something that's interesting too. And this goes back to our grandmas who think, oh, the baby looks cold. We got to bundle them up. No, we don't have to bundle them up. In fact, they could be in one less layer than we are. And I love the sleep sacks, the wearable blankets. That's what you can use. So you want to make sure the room is no more than 70 degrees. That's really big. The other thing that I can't stress enough is secondhand smoke and thirdhand smoke. And what am I talking about by third-hand smoke? Third-hand smoke is when it's in the carpet, when it's in the furniture. If you are living with somebody who smokes and they go outside to smoke, but it's on their clothes, that's third-hand smoke. So here's the tip. If you're living with someone who smokes, they should put on a jacket, put on something else to go smoke, Mm -hmm. and then when they come back in, take it off. And at least that's keeping it off the, the clothes that they're in. So that's really important as well. The other thing is, you know, I'm always asked about, well, what about pacifier use? What about pacifier use? Pacifiers, and again, like you said, we don't always know why, but pacifier use has been shown to reduce the risk of SIDS. And it's probably because, you know, the reflex, that the, the startle effect happens more. So pacifier use is great once breastfeeding has been established. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that, right? Because mom's not going to always be there. Sometimes dad or grandma or a caregiver are going to have to get those babies quieted down. Pacifiers help. I love these pacifiers. So great the pacifiers too, right? Always, we talk about how it's important to make sure that the pacifier is of an appropriate age for your child. And people, you know what's funny, Allison? Not many people even realize that pacifiers come in stages. So, yeah, which is, it's interesting because, you know, a newborn and a six-month-old are going to have very different um, pacifiers just because of their oral motor development and their teeth coming in. You don't want to give a six-month-old a newborn pacifier because there there might be trouble. And once upon a time, there was always like, oh, if you give your baby a pacifier, they're going to have like super messed up teeth. But if you give your children a pacifier that is age appropriate, you're never going to run into that problem. So yeah, we, we're so pro pacifier. Right. It's crazy because really we have so many times that we literally have to pacify a baby so we could attend to the other. So pacifiers are, oh, yeah. are big in our world. Now let's talk about like some of the decorations in a nursery. You were saying that it's always our issue that we see this sparse crib and we're like, oh my gosh, it's too, you know, vacant. What are other things in the nursery that maybe we should eliminate to create a safer environment? Well, and now I'm putting on my hat, as you know, I also blog as the safety mom. So now I'm talking about overall safety issues. The biggest thing is you don't want those hanging mobiles over the crib because they could come down. That could pose a strangulation hazard. You want to make sure that the changing table is secured to the wall because everybody says, oh, that's a heavy piece of furniture. It's never going to fall. It could fall. So everything should be secured to the wall. You want to make sure that there's no cords within access to the baby in the crib. So if you have a humidifier or some sort of cord that they could pull down on a monitor, you don't want that. Make sure that's 
far away as well. You want to make sure that the crib is not positioned next to a window because at some point the baby's going to start standing up. And if the screen is not properly aligned, that baby could fall right out. Um, so we want to be really careful about that. And then, you know, I mean, I know this isn't in the nursery, but I've got to call this out today. I don't know if you read, but the gold medalist skier, and I'm forgetting his name, his 19-month-old drowned this weekend in the swimming pool. And it's it's heartbreaking. But, you know, as we're getting into the summer months, do not ever take your eyes off. And when you have yeah. twins, 10,000 times harder. But drowning is one of the leading causes of death for babies from one to four years of age. You have got to watch them around pools. It's devastating. University family who had triplets and one child fell into the pool and passed away and then had a GoFundMe for a gate. And, you know, there's a reason why people say that pools have to be gated. And I understand that you know, finances are an issue, but if maybe finances are that much of an issue, maybe we shouldn't have a pool. Like, I, I, I really think about that. I mean, we exactly. did, we contributed towards the fund for her gate because I, you can't go back in time, but it's just, it's, it's just sad. And, you know, there's so many, when you, when you hear me talking on Twiniversity and when you see me interviewing a bunch of different people, it's rare that we actually talk about some of the, you know, the catastrophes that have occurred at Twiniversity. And it's, it's sad, but you know, What's interesting, Allison, is that I can't, I don't, like, I don't know why, but I can never let any of those babies go, you know? And, like, they're always with me, and I take no. that story, and I bring it to the next story, and I take that memory, and I bring it to the next story. And I was talking last night in class, coincidentally, it's my second story about class last night. I had a pretty crazy class last night. To fuse her placenta. And we were just talking about that. And I always think about that, like as far as another, you know, big issue in our world goes, that's, that's another problem that we have. But for the record for today, I really do want to go back to the SIDS topic. So you were saying like, there is a difference between accidental yeah. suffocation and there's the difference between SIDS, which I don't really think that people ever really separate those. Now, how do you feel about right. all of these products on the market that are like, like, let's say like the Owlet, right? Are you like pro Owlet? Are you anti Owlet? Right. Like what's your, and so if you don't know what it is, the Owlet is a little monitor that goes on your baby's foot that connects with Bluetooth through an app that monitors your baby's respiration and heart rate and all this other good stuff. So how do you feel about that? So here's my feeling about all of the monitors and, and the reason in the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines it says don't use monitors is because A, a monitor will not prevent a true SIDS episode. SIDS, SIDS is after death, so it's not going to stop. However, I think the outlet and other monitors like that for accidental suffocation, if there is some sort of illness with the baby, absolutely, I think they're a great thing. But, but they should not ever be marketed as a SIDS prevention device because it will not prevent SIDS. And, and that's one of the things I, I want to bring up, too, because we were talking about old wives' tales and things. One of the biggest arguments I get from parents about not putting their baby on their back to sleep is they're afraid they're going to aspirate and choke. And that's why they want them on their stomach. We have a um, graph up on our site now, which is fascinating. It's exactly the opposite. If you have your baby on their stomach, 
if they start vomiting, they can turn their head to the side and spit it up. But if they don't, it actually will stay in their trachea. If they are on their back, it will go back into their lungs. And that's actually how they aspirate. So everything we've been taught in the past is completely wrong. Like I have to say, it's it's crazy. If you, this is yeah. why we always talk about how grandmas need to be good listeners and only speak when they're really positive of specific things. So we did a, a podcast with a grandma and she was like, you know, I know the things that we did when the kids were little are so much different now and they really are, but it, it's for the better. It's definitely for the better in this regard. Now, speaking of the whole back to sleep campaign, when did that start? Do you remember? Like, I don't even know what year was that the whole back to sleep campaign? Oh, I do. So the back to sleep campaign started around 1993, 1994. Um, and it was started in the government and Tipper Gore kind of headed it up. And First Candle was right there pushing it out. And the good news is because of the back to sleep campaign, there was a 50% reduction in the rate of SIDS, which was fabulous. But then we started seeing that those rates weren't changing. And that's when okay. the Safe to Sleep campaign started to take it to the next level. And that's another argument, Nat, I get all the time is, oh, well, doctors are always changing their minds. And why should we listen to them because everything changes? Yeah. Well, it changes because of research. And it changes because we find out more and yeah, more. So we that's have to, a good The thing. minute that we stop caring is the minute we stop learning. And the minute we stop learning, that's when our our statistics are never going to change. So uh, let's talk a little bit about First Candle and what you're doing at First Candle and what's going on and how, you know, why would the average Joe want to know about First Candle? Well, let's put it in perspective. So not only do we do education to educate everybody um, from social workers to nurses to parents to grandparents about safe sleep, we also provide bereavement support services for everybody, miscarriage, stillbirth, SIDS, accidental suffocation. Every year, there are still 27,000 babies who die from stillbirth, SIDS, or accidental suffocation. And that means that probably everybody in your audience knows someone who has experienced a loss. And that's why it's important. That's 27,000 lives who will not be going to college, who will not be playing little league baseball, who will not be walking down the aisle at their wedding. We can make a difference. We can save a big portion of these children. What we are finding is that I can't go in, none of us can go into all the communities to educate. And a lot of parents, especially young moms, aren't going to necessarily listen to someone they don't know, but they already have relationships with their clergy, with their daycare provider, with other people in the community. So at First Candle, we have a program, Straight Talk for Infant Safe Sleep, and we are going into all different communities, talking to them about their cultural beliefs, about socioeconomic factors, how we can educate them. I've got to tell you, a lot of times it's not that they don't have a crib or a pack and play. They're afraid to put that baby in the pack and play because of rats crawling in or because of gunshots coming through or because of domestic violence. There's a higher rate of SIDS in the military because when one parent is deployed, they're bringing the baby to bed with them because they're lonely. So what we're doing at First Candle is educating all of these providers through training sessions. And here's what we're finding. These care providers, 88% of them are saying that they're talking to parents about the safe sleep guidelines. But of that 
75% have something wrong that they're saying. So that's why it's really important that we get the word out. So that's what we've been doing. First Candle's been around for 35 years. I got involved when my son Connor died in 1997. And then I went on to have my other kids and life came along and other things happened. And then I got re-involved in 2016. And since then, I've been running the organization. We're based in Connecticut. We're doing a lot of work in Connecticut and New York and the Bronx. Um, but we work all over. And we have online support groups. People can go onto Facebook and join our stillbirth group or our miscarriage group um, and really get involved. And then we look for volunteers who can get out into the community and talk. We have grandparents who we've trained who now train other grandparents about what safe sleep is today. I'm writing that down. I know a grandparent that would love to volunteer. I'm like, I'm making little mental notes to myself. Oh my here. gosh. That's a genius, genius, genius thing. So that would be yeah, great. I mean, I, I know it's not, you know, the great double stroller debate that we're talking about today. And it's definitely, um, a, you know, a serious topic, but understand that there are things that we could do to prevent accidental suffocation. So the whole point of this conversation was not to make anybody think that anything is going to happen to your baby but to really make sure that you keep your eyes open at all times, every single day. And sleep deprivation is no joke, kids. You might be like, oh, no, I would never do these yeah. things. But then if you're on your, you know, 39th hour of no sleep, you might be like, just this one time, you know, we'll take everybody to bed. There is no just this one time, just this one time statistically Probably everything would be okay, but then we could also say to st statistically that is when things are not okay. So do not, you know, do not play the odds on this one. Always make sure that your kids are in a very safe sleep environment and do everything in your power. That's your first job. Your first job, forget about the breastfeeding, forget about the formula, forget about the fancy stroller. Your first job is to keep these little puppies safe. So that is your goal, and you have to create a safe nursery, create a safe sleep environment. And then, of course, Allison just told us, Allison, do you have, like, some of the classes that you go around teaching at the military and stuff? Do you ever offer those classes online? So we just did an entire webinar, and you can still access it because we archive it like you do. For daycare providers, we do as well for parents, and we're going to be doing a couple through mm -hmm. the summer, and I'll post when we're doing that because it's great to get involved. And, yeah, I mean, especially with twins, you can't get out to classes, but you can certainly, you know, listen and, and also download a webinar. your daycares. Like if you're opting to put your children in daycare, you could ask them what safe sleep guidelines they are already practicing in their daycare. And then, you know, interview these people and make sure that they're doing everything that you would typically do. Because that's another thing, Allison, is that sometimes the more experienced the daycare, the more corners they may try to cut because they may be like, oh, I've been doing this, you know, for 25 years and don't tell me how to do my job and stuff. So, yeah, I get it. I really don't like when people come in to tell me to do my job. But the difference between somebody who it's a job and somebody who's trying to really make sure that there's a whole family, that there's a better family, they're providing a service that that parent could go to work or take care of an aging, um, you know, parent or something. There's a million reasons why people put their kids into daycare or really just to get away and have the mom could have some time to herself, but never hesitate to ask and never hesitate to be like, Hey, listen, this just isn't going to work out for me. 
there is no nice guy here, you know? You know, we offer a checklist, a daycare checklist online that people can download, and it's on the blog, and I'll make sure that everybody can find it. But, you know, it also works on the other side for the daycare, too. A lot of times parents will come in and say, I want you to do this, and it's against safe sleep guidelines. So we encourage daycare providers to have an agreement that they sit down with the parent and explain, unless you have a doctor's note, we will be following these safe sleep guidelines. Allison, honestly, I cannot thank you for all that you've done. And every time that I go to an event and I see your name on the roster, I immediately get excited. And I am, I am genuinely sorry. You probably hear this so many times, but I don't know if any parent could ever hear it enough. But I, I am genuinely sorry for your loss. I really am. It's in my heart. And oh, I thank, thank you, you often. And the fact that you have literally, you've empowered the world to make sure that babies sleep, sleep safer. And it's not lost on me. It's not really anybody that I know who knows you. It's not lost on us. We see what you're doing and we know that you're making a difference. And we're so lucky that organizations like First Candle exist. So thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you. And I'll tell you, if I could save one baby's life, I'll have done something in honor of my son. If I had to say, it's definitely at this point (laughs) since, you know, since you're, you know, at steering the ship since 2016, it's definitely more than one baby. So good news, the conversation, if you still want, to speak to Allison and you have more questions for her, please do not hesitate to reach out. Their website is just firstcandle.org. They're also on social, everywhere on social, on Facebook. They are firstcandle underscore for babies. Correct. Is that it? Okay, good. I want them to make sure. So on the First Candle website, you could just press the, you know, contact us information, you know, contact us. You could get Allison that way. You could get her through, you know, a direct message on Facebook. But if you have any specific questions or you have any specific concerns about maybe your own daycare or maybe, you know, things that your mom is telling you or friends are telling you and you're not sure how to navigate that conversation, Allison is the one to talk to and she's going to give you the tips that you need to create that conversation into a productive one instead of a defensive one. So for more information, check on over at firstcandle.org. And of course, if you need more information, always visit us at twiniversity.com. And you can find us on social everywhere at Twiniversity. And please, if you are expecting, please, please, please do um, attend a Twiniversity class, whether it's online or in person. We go through all the safe sleep guidelines. We want to make sure that your babies are happy, healthy, and safe. And with that, I leave you today. And thank you so much for listening. And please do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss another great episode. Thanks for listening.